Lord Jesus, we just sang a bunch of songs about you loving us. And we want to experience that love tonight. And would, you ex would we experience your love in our lives tonight by you reaching into our hearts and opening the doors to our heart in ways that we can't do ourselves? And would you teach us about yourself? Would your Holy Spirit be with us tonight to teach us and change us? And we give you permission to do that in our lives. And we're asking for more. We're asking for more of you in us and through us in this world. That the world will be changed because of the people in this room. Because of what happens here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, you're not going to believe what I'm going to tell you right now. But tonight, I think we're finishing up the book of Luke. Did you guys not like studying through Luke? It's been great. It's been great. So I hope you're not cheering because we're finally done. I hope you're cheering because it's been so good and we're finally hitting the climax of this um, wonderful account by Dr. Luke, okay? So it's been good. So we're in Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. And let me tell you kind of what's gone on up to this point, starting way back at the beginning of the Big Bang. In the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth, and he has a plan for this little planet to use this planet for his glory. And on this planet, he puts people as kind of the crowning jewel of his creation, and he gives this planet to them. He says, this planet, Psalm 115 says, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth, this planet, he has given to humanity. And of course, as you know the story, the humanity says, we don't trust God, and humanity hands over the right to rule the planet to the devil. But God has a plan that's bigger than what the devil understands, and so he sneaks in in human form, kind of in disguise, and becomes a human with a plan through his death to reclaim the right to rule this planet. The devil thinks that he gets Jesus dead and he's thinks that he's going to be the master of this planet forever but little does he know that jesus has a bigger plan and jesus takes back the right to rule and so we're kind of here at in in luke now as we've been studying how jesus has been preparing the establishment of his kingdom on earth and it's not like any other king would take over the earth jesus jesus's plan was to set up a government the government of god the kingdom of God, he called it, and that he would be the, the rightful king. And so the way he does it, instead of with armies, instead of, in, instead of invading the military outposts, instead what he does, if you guys remember, he chooses some guys to come and be his full-time disciples. And he spends day and night with these guys. He lives with them. He eats with them. He drinks with them. He watches, watches them argue. He teaches them. And, of course, while he's trying to teach them, He's healing people and feeding people, and a craze breaks out where he just can't get time with these guys because there's people all over the place bombarding him all the time, asking for requests, asking for him to heal, and he does. And finally, because of the craze, the Jewish leaders put him to death. And we studied about a couple weeks ago how his death opened the curtain into the Holy of Holies so that we could have communion with God because Jesus, at his death, paid for the sins of all humanity. And then, we, and then we talked last week how he came to life, that he proved that he had power over death by resurrecting to life. And so what we're going to look at today, here in this last, the last second, the last part of chapter 24 of Luke, how Jesus intends to commune and to live in the lives of his disciples 
even when they're not aware of it. Okay? So we're going to look at starting verse uh, 13. Verse 13 of chapter 24 of Luke. If you don't have a Bible, I'll buy you one. We've also got a bunch of small group leaders. If you just tell those small group leaders, I don't have a Bible, they'll buy you one. And if they don't have enough money, then they can ask me, okay? Uh, do we have Bibles here in this room for people that don't have them? Okay. Raise your hand and Sudanchu will bring you a Bible if you need it. Starting in verse 13, Luke 24. Now that same day. What same day? What day? After he resurrected. The day of his resurrection, that same day as it's getting later in the afternoon, two of them, two of the disciples, two of the people who had been following Jesus were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. Here's what I want you guys to see. Jesus has died. He's coming back to life. But these two people, they really don't know what's going on. They've, they're headed back home. Remember, there's been this Passover party in Jerusalem for the past several days. Now the party's over. People are headed back. They're headed back to work. They've got responsibility. They're going back to work. They had, um, they gotta be at, he's got to be at his job on Monday morning at 8, 8 a.m. And so whatever happened this weekend, whatever disappointment happened because of Jesus' death, and whatever rumors are flying around about maybe possibly Jesus is alive, what, he's re- what these guys are realizing is they got to get back home, and they got to go back to work the next day. Okay? I just want you to think about how their lives have been, have been changed. In, in the past few days, and yet they still have this mindset of, I've still got to go back and do, do my life as usual. Think about what's going on in their lives. They're experiencing confusion. They're experiencing loss. Jesus, who they love, died. They're experiencing, ex- experiencing all kinds of questions about what's, what's going to happen now? What's my life going to be about now, later? I've followed Jesus. He's gone. What's going to happen? I want you guys to think about what is so important in the hearts of these two people. You guys with me? Two people walking seven miles, and as they're walking, they're thinking about all the stuff that's happened. Look at verse 14. They're talking with each other about everything that had happened, speaking of what had happened over the past three days in Jerusalem. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, guess what? Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Here's what I want you guys to see. This road from Jerusalem to Emmaus, I just want you guys to think about as something that represents the walk of your life. You guys are here right now. UTA, Cornerstone, 2018. You guys are headed someplace, right? Where is everybody going to be? All the people in this room. Where are you guys all going to be six years from now? I don't know. I'm just all over the world doing all kinds of things. You're going to be in high school. That's right. Okay. Ian's going to be in high school. I just want you guys to think about this as being the road of life. So verse 14. Did I reread that? As they walked along, they talked about everything that happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself came up and walked with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Why did they recognize him? Well, they were kept from recognizing him. So God's doing something here. God has a plan to do something in their lives on this walk, on this seven-mile walk, that is going to revolutionize the way that they think. And the way that Jesus is going to do that is by not letting them understand that it's him. Okay? So as you guys think about your life and where you're going to be six years from now or 60 years from now, 
Some of you used to be alive in 60 years. I'll be in heaven. I'll be alive, but I'll be in heaven. Um, as you think, as you walk down this road of your life, I want you guys to get this in your mind. Jesus is on that road with you, whether or not you recognize him. Okay? You guys got that? These guys don't know Jesus, but Jesus is with them. And I know what you guys are going to say. Well, yeah, Jesus is, is with me in some mystical or ethereal sense, maybe. But he's not with me, with me. And I want to say, you're wrong. He is with you, with you. He is with you. He's with you if you belong to him. That means that his Holy Spirit lives in you, and he is with you just as much as he was with those two dudes on the way to Emmaus. Okay? And we got to stop thinking like, oh, if only he was with me. I, I, as, I've, as I've read this before, there have been times where I've thought, man, I wish I could have been on that road to Emmaus. Because I wish I could have experienced Jesus talking to them and being with them. But the truth, guys, is he's with me. Now, he promises he never leaves us. He never leaves us. He's with us to the end of the age. His spirit is in us in just as real of a way, although it is a different way, than he was with these guys. And he, as, whether you realize it or not, just like these guys don't rec recognize that it's Jesus who's with them, as you're walking down the, the next six years of your life, the next 60 years of your life, Jesus is with you, and he's revealing himself to you in a way that you guys aren't going to expect. I just want you to get this. He's revealing himself to you today. And I know you guys are thinking this. Why doesn't Jesus reveal himself to me? I'm going to ask him for things. Why doesn't he show himself to me? If Jesus is really alive, like these guys are wondering, is he really? You know, where is he really? We heard some rumors that he's alive. And they're thinking, if he's really alive, how are we ever going to see him? How are we going to know? And I want to tell you that Jesus is with you. Now, why isn't Jesus with you physically like he was with them? Do you guys want to know? Okay, let me ask you this. Of course, we want, we, I've had people in my office say, I want to be able to touch him. Okay, let me explain to you what, what's happened. Is Jesus a physical man? How many would you say yes? Okay, you're right. I'm not going to embarrass people by saying how many of you would say no. Jesus is a physical man. God who created the universe, the word of God, enters into his time and space. He becomes a physical man. He's physical. True or false? Physical people can only be in one place at one time. True. So if Jesus is a physical man and he can only be in one place, is, can, can Jesus be, only be in one place at one time? My theologian son says no. Oh, my theologian said, just changed sides and said yes. Okay, can Jesus, can Jesus be in more than one place at one time? Now you guys know, you're like, man, I'm not answering. If Ian changes mine, maybe Steve will make me change my mind too. Here's what it is. Physically, as a physical man, Jesus is in one place at one time. But Jesus has a plan to do something where he's not just being in one place at one time as a physical man. So he tells them his plan in John, John 16, 7. And this happens just, you know, if you just back up three days before what's happened here now, on Thursday, this is Sunday afternoon, that this story's happening. The day that Jesus resurrected. But on Thursday night, he's meeting with his disciples, and he's telling them what's going to happen. In John 16, 7, go ahead and flip your Bibles there, at least pretend you are so that I think you're looking at, listening to me. John 16, 7, Jesus says, 
I tell you the truth. And whenever Jesus says, I tell the truth, because Jesus is always telling the truth. So if he says, I'm telling you the truth, it's something you better listen to, okay? You guys notice that? Jesus says, I tell you the truth, it's for your good that I'm going away. And you're like, no way. No way. Have you ever had a friend who's like, you're like, don't leave me, don't leave me. It's like, for your good, I'm leaving. It's like, that's not very nice. Okay? But Jesus, well, he's telling the truth. And he says it. It's for your good, I'm going away, because unless I go away, the counselor, speaking of the Holy Spirit, if I don't go away, Jesus says, then the counselor, the Holy Spirit, isn't going to come to you. But if I go, I'm going to send him to you and you and you and you and you and you and you, and he's going to be with you guys everywhere that you go. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm going to be with you everywhere that you go, but it's not going to be with me physically because as a physical man, I can only be in one place at one time, but because I'm sending my spirit with you, then you are in even a better situation than you're, you are right now. That's why he's saying it's for your good that I'm going away because that means there is not one moment of your life when you put your trust in him that he's not with you and you're not with him. He's with you always. That's great news. That means you're walking on the seven-mile road to Emmaus or the, six, the next six-year or 60-year journey. He's with you every minute. That's good news. That's why Jesus says it's good news. That it's a good thing that he's going away. And here's the deal. Jesus is with you right now. Whatever happened today, Jesus was with you. You forgot it, I know. This is part of, our, this is part of the training that you're going through in, in spirituality. Is, it's not just learning a bunch of Bible verses. It's learning Jesus is with me right now. When you go home tonight, he's with you. When you wake up, when you sleep tonight, he's with you. When you get up tomorrow and have to face your angry professor or your angry boss or, oh well, they're not all angry, but whatever the case is, he is with you at that moment and every moment. That's good news. So here's the guys are. They're walking the road to Emmaus. Jesus is with them. They don't recognize it just like you don't recognize it. It's like, where are you, Jesus? He's like, I'm right there with you all the time. And I want you guys to see the way that Jesus cares for these two people. And I want you to think about how he cares for you. Look at verse 17. He asked them. So here they're walking along. These guys are just, they're talking. And this, this stranger comes up, kind of intrudes. And he starts saying, starts talking to them. And he asked them, verse 17. He says, what are you guys talking about as you walk along? Now, here's what I want you to think about. Doesn't that sound like Jesus? Doesn't Jesus know what they're talking about? Of course he does. He knows what they're talking about. In fact, that's why he's there. But he's asking them what they're talking about because Jesus cares about what? What's he, what is, why is he asking them? Because why? He was like, what's on your heart, guys? What's on your heart, you people of the Cornerstone? Yeah, there's been some really tough things happened the past few days. Not everything worked out the way that you thought it was supposed to. Tell me about you. Tell me how you're feeling. Tell me what you're thinking. And tonight, Jesus is saying the same thing to you. You guys listen to me. Jesus is saying to you tonight, what's in your heart? What are you thinking about? And they stop, and they, they stood still. Their faces down. I mean, they're like, What? Now, one of them, whose name was Cleopas, he asked Jesus, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened in the past few days? And Jesus is bluffing again. It's interesting to think about 
Jesus pretending something. He's like, what things? Does Jesus not know? Yeah, the whole thing was about him. He knows. So what's going on here, guys? Why is it? Why is it that Jesus is pretending like he doesn't know what has happened? He's testing he's testing him. Yeah, just like I'm asking you, right? Okay. Yeah, he's asking because he's he's inviting them to share their sorrows, their feelings with him. He's interested in the perspective. And when I'm asking, there's times I ask Ian stuff that I already know. Why do I do that? Suppose I ask you guys stuff that I already know. It's like, hey, what'd you think about? What'd you think about what happened at the merge the other night? I know you loved it, but I want to hear your perspective. This is what Jesus is doing. Jesus is going, I want to, I want to hear from you. Yeah. You guys hear what Miles said? Mr. Miles is a genius. Relationship genius. That's right. You want to tell somebody something that they don't know? You get them thinking about it so that, that you can answer the question once they start trying to answer it themselves. Jesus got all kinds of things about to teach them. And he's like, so what do you guys think? What do you think? And they, so they start explaining to him what they know. And this is what they know. In verse 19. They answer him when he's just like, what things? They say, but Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had these big hopes. We were hoping that we'd be set free, and it doesn't seem like it's going to happen now. And what is more, though, there's something that happened. It's the third day since all this took place. But some of our women amazed us this morning. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find the body there. Like we talked about last week, the body was there because he was alive. And then they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels, and the angels said he was alive. Then some of our companions, they ran out of the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him, Jesus, they didn't see. Now, why doesn't Jesus just go, hey, look here, it's me? He want, he, he, I think he does want him to figure out, but here's what I think is going on. He's got something to teach these guys that is going to be limited if they know who he is at that moment. I want you guys to hear what I'm saying. There are times in your life when Jesus is doing this thing in you. And you think it's some stranger or some bad person or some mean boss or some person that doesn't understand. And it's Jesus who's doing this thing in your life. Jesus got a plan to teach them something that they're not going to be able to get if they realize it's him. There's times that Jesus is right before you. And his identity or his work may be hidden from you. The fact that it's him that's doing it may be hidden from you because you've got to learn something that you want to learn in other ways. For example, think about the homeless guy, how you treat the homeless guy, how, how, how you treat the, the handicapped kid or the elderly person that can hardly walk or somebody that treats you in a way that you 
see is wrong. If you think that this is all just nothing to do with Jesus, you're going to respond a certain way. But what if, what if that person really is Jesus? Or what if this situation is Jesus? What I think this is inviting us to do, what the Holy Spirit is inviting us to do in this scripture is to realize the situations that we find ourselves in on this road of life actually have Jesus involved in all the time, even though we might not see that it's really him. Okay, and then he starts to teach him. Verse 25. Verse 25, he says to them, how foolish you are. How rude. How, not very nice way to start teaching somebody. How foolish you are. And how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He did this in a seven-mile hike. I'm thinking, there must he could have explained it all. I don't know. But there's one more thing that I want you guys to see about this. The truth about who Jesus is, that he explains to them as they're walking along this road, the truth, the revelation of him, See, that's what he ta he's teaching them. He's teaching them about himself. They don't realize it's him. But the revelation of him doesn't happen at the merge alone. It doesn't happen in seminary alone. It doesn't happen in the synagogue alone. It happens in real life as they're walking down the street, walking down the road. And here's, here's what I think the, the takeaway is for us. Guys, you want to know Jesus? Well, if you want to know Jesus, the, the getting to know Jesus doesn't just happen at the merge. It doesn't just happen on Sunday morning. And I want to say, we need the merge. We need Sunday morning. We need prayer times. We need Bible community. We need all these things. But if that's the extent of, if you expect that that's where you're going to get to know Jesus rather than at UTA or at your workplace, then maybe that's the reason why so many times people are just lax about what's happening here. Because if you're taking the things that you learn here or at church or in your quiet times and implementing them on the campus, your life is going to explode with a desperation for more of the Word of God. And I just, you know, as I've talked with people about, like, you know, I just don't, I don't know where to, where, how to, I don't know how to study the word. I don't know where, you know, what I'm supposed to do. I don't feel close to God. I'm, I'm thinking, well, maybe that's because they've compartmentalized their lives and forget that Jesus is with them on the road. Does that make sense? Jesus, I think there's, so, there's something in this for us that they learn more about Jesus as they're walking under the hot sun than they did back at synagogue. They needed the synagogue. They needed the Bible verses. They needed all that training. But what they, they got on the road was an experience with him where he taught them as they walked. Okay, verse 28. As they approached the village, the village of Emmaus, to, which they were, to where they were going, Jesus acted. Once again, he's pretending. I wonder how many times Jesus pretended with us. I mean, I don't know. I haven't thought about this too much until today. I'm thinking, Lord, are there times where you're, 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 you're teasing me? That doesn't seem very nice. But I, there's a reason for it. And nothing the Lord ever does is not nice, guys. It might not seem like, that's not very nice, Lord. You know what? 
His motivation is always love. Do you guys understand? So if he's pretending he's going on and he's bluffing, or if there's something in your life where he, he's testing you, just like Ian said, he's testing you to, to see how you're going to respond. So he acts like he's going on, but they urged him strongly. Stay with us. Come on, stay, come on, stay with us, man. I mean, they don't realize it's Jesus. They're like, stay with us. For he goes, it's almost evening. Come on, we've had such a good, we've had this been a great talk. It's almost evening. You can't, you can't go on. The day is almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. And while he was at the table with them, he took the, he took the bread. This isn't his house. He's like, oh, I think I'll take charge here. He takes the bread. He gives thanks. Let's pray, guys. He, he prays, breaks the bread, and starts to give it to them. And when he did that, there, something happens spiritually. The bread is broken, and something happens spiritually, and their eyes are opened. Their eyes are opened, and they recognized him, and then he was gone. And I don't know if he just got up and walked out, and they're like, where did he go? Come back, come back. Or if he, this is something like he disappeared. I don't know. But he dis, he, he's gone. And they look at each other like, huh? How are we so blind? They look at each other. Weren't our hearts burning in us? Well, we talked on the road. And, op- and when he opened the scriptures to us. Okay, there's two things I want us to get here, guys. I hope you're excited by this. First of all, Jesus, why did Jesus go into the house and stay with them? Because they asked him. They don't just ask him. They're like, hey, man, why don't you stop? Why don't you stick around? They're like, they urged him. Like, hey, no, no, we really want you. No, it's okay. And you can just manage him. No, no, it's okay. I'll, I'll go on. No, no, we want you. We really want you. Come on. They got to ask him at least three or four or five times, right? He has been in those cultures. Okay? They're like, come on. <laughs> Something like that. Okay. Okay. So, I guess I just want you to think about what would have it been like if, if, if this stranger wouldn't have been invited? If he'd have been just like, now, that's fine, thanks, see you later. And what if they wouldn't have begged him? I think history would be different. Because Jesus has a plan. You know why Jesus meets them on the road to Emmaus? Because they're, they're headed back to life as usual. And Jesus has got a plan for these guys. And if they, if they hadn't begged Jesus to come into their home tonight, on this night, history would have been different. Because whatever, you know, you wonder who the other guy is. Who is the other guy? Could it have been Luke? I don't know. But who's the other guy? Cleopas and somebody else. And Jesus has a plan for them. And so he opens the scriptures to them and they beg him, come on, stay in our house. And because they invite Jesus into their house, Things happen. They return to Jerusalem, and they are part of what happens in the days to come as the church is born. Is that exciting? I think it's exciting. Here's the, here's the message to us. Are you willing to invite Jesus in, strongly urging him? Or are you like, hey, yeah, come if you want. Don't if you don't. You hearing me? Second Chronicles 15.2, the Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. And if you forsake him, he'll let you forsake him. That's not exactly how it says it. But the point is, you guys at the Cornerstone get as much of Jesus as you want. You want him in your house tonight? He'll come. He'll come into your house. He'll come into your life tonight. But you strongly urge him. It's not that he's resisting you. 
It's just that he is a gentleman. He does not knock down the door to your heart. Okay, that's the first thing I want you guys to see from this. The, the second thing that I want you to see from this experience of him in these people's home in Emmaus is that they recognize Jesus when? When he breaks the bread. What is the breaking of bread representative of? It's communion, right? This intimate picture of communion with God. I don't think they understand it. I mean, he just explained to them three or four nights before about this body, this bread is broken. It represents my body. They don't understand all that. But something is happening as Jesus takes that bread and he breaks it. And their eyes are opened at that moment of breaking a bread which represents, what does the breaking of bread represent? His body dying. You want to know, you want to recognize Jesus? You know what, you know the place and time where you recognize who Jesus is? Where you really see him as he is? It's at the cross. It's where you, where you see, experience his death. That breaking of bread. I'm not just talking about the communion uh, that we do every week at, at Grace, although that's part of it. That's represented. I'm saying that you come to that place of Jesus' body being broken. You want to know what he's really like? That's where you're going to find him. Right? Does that make sense? You guys with me? Okay, verse 33. They got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. How long did it take them to pack and get ready to go back? They're out the door. And this time they make great time. I don't know how long it took to get from Jerusalem to Emmaus, but now they're headed back, and they're, they're, they're moving fast. They got their, get, their foot on the pedal. They're getting back to Jerusalem. They return at once to Jerusalem, and there they found the 11. What time is it by now? It's nighttime. It's 11 o'clock at night. I don't know. They find the 11, and those with them assembled together, and they're not sleeping. Because you know what they're doing? They're going. They, they're like, guess what? And they're like, no, no, let me tell you, guess what? It's true. The Lord has risen, and he's appeared to Simon. And then the tumor will glow. They tell you what happened to us. Where are we? It's just fancy conversation. They told, the, the two of them told them what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when they broke the bread, once again hinting at the, his death. And while they were still talking about this, they're talking about this, and guess who shows up? <laughs> Jesus himself stood among them and he says to them, Peace be with you. And here's what I want you guys to get from this, okay? That's what I want, what's that? Shalom. That's right. That's right. Your house, right? He, that's what he says. Shalom. And here's what I want you guys to get. First of all, Jesus shows up in that room when? What? When they talk about him. They're in there talking about Jesus. And when you guys talk about Jesus with excitement, he's there with you. He promises that. We're two or three are gathered together in my name. There I am in their Miss, well, I thought you were with me always, even when I'm not with two or three people. Yes, I, yes, that's true. But there's something special that happens when two or three people or 50 people or 100 people or 10,000 people get together and talk about Jesus. Jesus shows up. Jesus is here right now. And Jesus is here right now in a, in a specialer way than when you're just alone. That's why we come together. That's why it matters. That's why you don't just, hey, hey, live stream people, I'm glad you're watching. But there's something, there's a blessing about being here. Seriously. You, you, when two or three are gathered together in your room, that means gathered together. Okay, I'm not, I'm glad you guys are watching live stream, but seriously, it's important to be with people of God and that you don't get the same intimate experience with Him by just watching or just listening. Okay? You guys get together, you talk about Jesus, and things happen. 
Malachi 3.16. Does anybody know what Malachi 3.16 says? Those who feared and loved the Lord did something. What did they do? They spoke often of him to each other. And he had a book of remembrance drawn up in which he recorded the names of those who feared him and loved to think about him. Do you guys hear what, that just, what I just said? I write that down in your notes if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, you should be taking notes. Malachi 3.16, those who feared and loved the Lord spoke every Christmas and Easter about him to each other. No way! Me and Ian are talking about Jesus together all the time because we like him. You guys talk about the things you like. I mean, if you, you, you talk, think about your friends. Think about your five closest friends. You know what the things that they like because that's the things they talk about. Right? Is one, if, if, somebody, if you're one of those people's friends and they say, what is it that you talk about? Is it Jesus or not? If it's not Jesus, then, then don't be surprised if he's not showing up. He shows up when they talk about him. I'm asking you guys, let's have a, commun- a community of people who, he's our favorite thing. And you know what? That's, that is the case here. I mean, all the coffee, all the burgers, all the other stuff, all of it is just an excuse to bring people into this wonderful relationship of talking about him. Okay. Now, the second thing I want you guys to see from this, this part is, what does Jesus say when he shows up? Jesus shows up, and he says, Shalom. Peace be with you. Here's what I want you guys to think about this. Guys, this is always what Jesus says when he shows up. Think about your mom and dad when they came home and they're like, who tore this place up? <laughs> right? <laughs> He's saying that's what I say. Um, you guys know what that's like. When Jesus shows up, he doesn't start pointing fingers. I can't believe what you guys messed up. Think about his last experience with these guys. His last experience with these guys is watching them as they run. Because they're getting out of the Garden of Gethsemane when the soldiers sh- showed up. Remember? And here he is. And he's like, peace. Peace. Shalom to you. This is what Jesus always says when he shows up. You don't have to be afraid of him. He loves you. And he speaks peace over you every time. And yes, there might be times when he lets you go through the valley of the shadow of death. But that's always to bring you to the peaceful pastures. The direction is always in the direction of peace. Verse 37, they were startled and frightened like, wow! Think of they saw a ghost. No ghost. He said to them, why are you guys troubled? And why did doubts arise in your mind? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It's me. Touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And here's Jesus' words to you guys today. Jesus' question for them is, what are you so worried about? What are you so scared of? What's stressing you out today? This is what Jesus is asking you. What's, what's so bad? I just conquered death. And what are you worried about? What are you stressed about? peace to you. I conquered death. I can handle your future. I've got you in my hands. I just want you guys to think. Just, just, just stop. Just, would you just close your eyes for a second? As I'm talking here, some of you guys are thinking about all kinds of stuff that is just it's like knocking on your mind. Like you think of, like 
It's like some, some person that won't give up. Like, think about me. Think about me. Think about this. Think about this. You don't have to think about all that stuff. Jesus is in your midst right now. He's here, and he says, peace, peace. I just want to remind you of Philippians 4. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, cast your cares on Jesus, and the peace of God that goes beyond your ability to comprehend will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That means you're not going to be able to explain it. Nobody around you is going to be able to understand it. But the peace of God is offered to you tonight. And I just want you guys, you guys can look up, but just I want you to notice what the solution is. The solution when they're stressed out, what does Jesus say? So look at my hands, look at my feet, touch me and see. Do you guys hear that solution to the stress that you guys are facing tonight? Touch Jesus' hands tonight. Touch Jesus's, Touch Jesus tonight. You touch him tonight, what do you got to be worried about? It's nothing, nothing worth stressing about. He's offered himself to you. Do you guys remember 1 Peter 2.24? He himself bore our sins, all the things that we should be stressed about. He took all that and put it on his body. So that, what does it say? 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we would die to sin and live for righteousness because it is by his wounds that we have been healed. We've been healed of all that stress and anxiety and frustration and self-criticism by his death on the cross. Peace. To you, the Lord says. And then, look at verse 41. And while they were still there, well, they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, you guys got anything to eat? <laughs> Sounds like Ian. They gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate it in, in their presence. Why? Why did, why did he do this? Because he's hungry. Because he's a man. That's the point. He's a man. He's hungry. Hungry people have to eat. He eats the fish. So he, he does it, first of all, because he's hungry. And showing, by showing his hunger and satisfaction by eating, he proves that he's not a ghost. So nobody would ever, well, you just guys just saw a ghost. Okay? I think there's another reason. Uh-huh. Also, breaking the bread made him hungry, and then he vanished. Yeah, that's right. Does it say if he took the bread with him? Broke the bread. I think he broke the bread and handed it to them, right? Okay. Yeah. So, hey, guys, listen. He, he, there's another reason. There is another reason that, that I think he eats this fish. I think, I think he says it to them because he's letting these people who are so precious, precious to him serve him. These are the people who had abandoned him a few days earlier. And he's like, you know what? We're back and we're friends. You guys anything? Isn't that what friends say to friends? What you got to eat? And also, Revelation 3.20, what does Revelation 3.20 say? I stand at the door and knock. If any of you will open the door of your heart, I will come in, and what are we going to do? We're going to eat together. That's what it says. 
and we're going to eat together. Jesus' goal for these guys is let's be friends again. Whatever happened, it's all forgiven. In verse 44, then he, said, then he said to them, this is what I told you guys while I was still with you. Don't you remember? Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law and the prophets and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Wow. He told them, this is what, was, what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Where is that written? Don't answer me. That's your homework. I want you guys to find out where the Old Testament speaks about Jesus dying and rising from the dead on the third day, okay? Okay? You guys have read this before, but you haven't found it in the Old Testament, or maybe you have, but your, your, your assignment, for all of you who are willing, um, figure out where that says it, okay? He's, he says, Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Here's what I want you guys to get. Have you guys ever opened up the Old Testament and thought, I don't know what this is talking about? Okay? Here, here's what I want you guys to, to remember. The Old Testament only makes sense in light of Jesus. It only makes sense in, uh, through Jesus. Him, it only makes sense through Jesus with him being the teacher. And it only makes sense through Jesus with him being the subject. It's all about him. And it's got to be taught by him. And now this, now guys, this sounds like the end of the story. But this ends in the story. In fact, Luke kind of ends the whole book with kind of a cliffhanger. You guys know what a cliffhanger is, right? It's like you see the movie, and then you get to the end of the movie, and it's like, they didn't finish the story. Now I gotta see the sequel. Even if the movie wasn't all that good, you feel like I still gotta see the sequel because I gotta figure out what happened, right? That's, that's what Luke's doing here. He's had a great story. He's had a great account of what God has done, and now he's, he says, he tells us about what's gonna happen next. Verse 47. And re- this is what's next, the next chapter. And he describes what's happening for the, for the rest of human history before Jesus returns. This is what he says. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, including America, even at the cornerstone, beginning at Jerusalem. But you are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father had promised. What did the Father promised? The Holy Spirit. This promise that God would live in our hearts. That prior to this, he had to live in a, in a box in a, behind a curtain in a temple. But now he lives in you. This is the promise of God. And you are going to stay. You guys, this is what you're going to do. You're going to stay in the city of Jerusalem until you've been clothed with power from on high. And that happened about 50 days after this. 50 days later. And when he had led them out of the vicinity of, of Bethany. Remember, that's out of Jerusalem, down the valley, over the hill. He lifted up his hands, and once again, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken into heaven. And look what they do. They go and worship him. And they return to Jerusalem with great joy. Why do they have great joy? Because Jesus is alive, and he promises that he's coming back, and he promises that he's never leaving them and that he's going to send them this, this Holy Spirit. Now, why it was 50 days, you can, you can think about that too. But he's going to give them his Holy Spirit. And they're filled with joy because they believe what he says. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Why did they stay continually at the temple praising God? Because they're waiting for the Holy Spirit. And that's what he told me. He said, you guys go wait in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit's coming. So they wait in, in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. On Pentecost, okay? 50 days after this. Actually, actually, just 10 days after Jesus left. Okay, now the end of the story. Hasn't happened yet. The end of the story, or the, the, the part before the end of the story includes you. 
Jesus is building his kingdom. You ever been in a movie and you're like, man, I wish I could be a part of the movie? Or you read a book and you're like, I wish I could be part of the book? Guess what? You're a part of the book. You're a part of the book. The story is about you guys taking what you've learned and changing the world. This has been an, an amazing study that we've done on the, this ancient historical document written, written by Dr. Luke. But the story's not over yet. We finished the story. And I think, guys, let me just tell you, I think the story's ending in our generation. Your generation. And you're the ones who are taking it to the end. Jesus tells us exactly when the end is coming, right? At one point he says, nobody knows the day or the hour. But he tells us when it's going to happen. He doesn't give us a date. What he tells us is it's happening when my people finish the job that I gave them to do. What's the, what's the verse? Matthew 24. You got to memorize these verses, guys. Remember Matthew 25, 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then what happens? And then then comes. That's the place where he's like, there'll be wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and violence and plagues and famines and sun turns red and moon turns blood red. But the end is in, it's not yet. But the end's coming when all the nations of the world finally have access to the gospel. And how close are we to that? That depends on you. Let's stand up and pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for all the things that you're teaching us and all the things that you taught us through the book of Luke. And Lord, here we are, this community of people, this little, little community of people at the Cornerstone who are saying, would you use our lives for your great glory? Would you bring in your kingdom on this earth because of the people in this room? And we offer ourselves to you for that purpose. And Lord, for the people who are here tonight who are like, I don't even know what this is going, what's going on. I don't even know Jesus. Lord, would, would you open their hearts to understand you tonight? Thank you, Lord, for my friends here, for the privilege of teaching them about you. We love you, Lord. Would you help us to love you more? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bethany's going to tell us something.